Welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh, heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. Last week in our first installation of On Raising Daughters, this little mini-series that we're going to do, we talked about sexualization, uh, specifically the the objectification and sexualization of daughters, uh, both in the home and in larger parts of the society, and what it means as parents to, to... not perpetuate that and to help to shield um, daughters from that so that they can, you know, really live in, into the types of adult lives that we think that they should have. Um, what, what what are we going to cover this week? Well, I think, yes, we, we are talking about parenting um, daughters and what that means for the home and outside of it. I think also we have a, a pretty strong emphasis on dads and daughters because I think it gets a little bit confusing. We talked about how it gets a bit confusing for a dad. This week we are going to be talking about menstruation. Um, What happens when girls get their periods and uh, what the response is for the dad or even how these maybe innocently seeming comments um, are not so helpful to a girl when her body starts to change and um, biology starts to take over and things start to happen. When you say innocent seeming comments, you mean comments from dads or? Yeah, comments that maybe that dads might be a part of maybe with friends or even in front of the daughter that maybe they're not quite aware that it's not the best way to approach it. Um, But also ways which in which society is kind of uh, passed down maybe some of this more mysterious or or myth-making stories about a woman starting to get, you know, her body changing and then her bleeding and what what it might look like if we just kind of talk about it through maybe more of a scientific orientation around the body and how it changes and it being something pretty just matter of fact. So before we we dive into sort of looking uh, into the specifics of that and and trying to uncover, you know, the ways in which this type of thing manifests, why is it even a problem? Like, who cares how we talk about it? I think it's a problem because it has um, a a point or nod towards shaming the the daughter or the girl. Um, There's kind of this element to it that, I think girls are either not, it's not a black and white, so it's not either they're raised one way or the other, but if you grow up kind of in this thought around something bad happening when they get their period or something they need to hide or something that isn't um, able to be talked about openly, it, it is connected to this idea that there's something not so great about the change in your body. 
and really maybe not so great about something not so great about your body um, and how you start to construct this idea of being a woman and developing and and things happening to your body of which you have no control but then there's this connotation around them around you know maybe disgust or secrecy or mis- mystery or that something bad now is happening till you know you get to an age where it doesn't happen anymore and then there's a whole other thing but yeah so i think it's it's matters because of the way that we internalize our our ideas about ourselves I mean, that to me just seems like it's part of how our culture works around all things post-pubescent um, or post-puberty. Uh, you know, anything from, you know, pubic hair to, I don't know, bras or even seeing the word panties or tidy whities or nocturnal emissions. I mean, in general, the things that are post-pubescent or pubescent, we don't really talk about so openly in our society. How, how is this any different? I think that's true. I think it does fall under the umbrella of the awkward changing body. Um, but I'd see it as something different because certainly there is a connection to um, the sexual process of the daughter. So we know that when the the girl gets her period it won't be long until she can procreate so we understand that it is connected to something sexual at some point but it's also this ongoing process of her body that is a natural kind of a shedding of you know the uterine lining so that um you know her her body maintains a healthy state while she's not pregnant and it happens every month it doesn't you know it's not around you know nocturnal emissions where you know something happens to the boy and he kind of works through it and eventually you know life goes on it's a phase yeah it's a phase this is and and it's very biological in the way that a woman or a girl the development is it's a sure thing it's not you know, a surprise necessarily around, I woke up one morning and, oh my gosh, you know, I had this nocturnal emission and what do I do now? She learns that, you know, each month this comes, it, it doesn't go away. Um, there are products to be uh, purchased um, and, you know, that creates where you carry them, um, who sees them, uh, if you need something, if you're in class and you start your period and you get up and maybe there's blood on the back of your pants. I mean, there's so much that goes on with a girl's body and having a period that is very different. Not not very different, but it, it isn't just one of these phases around, oh, here's my budding sexuality. Right. So, I, you know, I feel like we're talking about it at a very sort of high and, and abstracted level. Maybe I should say abstracted level. Uh, these two parts about, you know, what's happening at, at, you know, in the biology or at the biological level and these theoretical problems that could uh, present itself at the social level. Can you tie these together for me at the sort of in the real life level, like either, you know, just from things that you've heard or maybe you've experienced yourself as a woman, uh, what are some of the ways that the way that we talk about this can affect uh, women or, or girls? I was considering how to explore this. You know, I think there are ways certainly that mothers um, introduce this changing element to a kid that can be damaging, certainly. Um <clears throat> But as we're talking about this topic of of dads and daughters, uh, I want to 
start with the story. I came across this podcast that I think was a seemingly well-intentioned podcast of this um, this person who was describing this talk with his daughter that he had around her changing body and her starting her period. Um, and he was actually, he was, he had the podcast with a friend of his and they um, spent a good part of the show cracking up about this conversation around having this talk with the daughter. I get it. You know, guys will, you know, perhaps joke about it or try to, you know, make light of it with each other. But this was a, you know, it's out there for the world and talked about how awkward he felt and how embarrassing it was and how embarrassed his, I don't know, 12 to 13 year old was as he was talking to her about it. And they were laughing and just thought it was hilarious that, you know, this was the topic of the conversation and that this was something that even that the daughter was embarrassed about. And he was, I mean, and I honestly, I, I do say with all intent that I believe it was well-meaning. But as I was listening, I, I, I considered what, first of all, was connected to him and his shame. Like, why was the shame, why was he embarrassed, you know? And I, I, I think shame is a pretty particular um, emotion, you know, it describes, you know, not even the bad of the event, but bad of the person. So I, I want to be careful about that term. But there's a lot of embarrassment around what he was describing, having to ha even have this discussion with his daughter. But then there was also this element to it of how embarrassed and almost shameful she felt. And she didn't really want to talk about it from what I can remember now about this podcast. She didn't really want to talk about it with him. And he was pressing her. And they were having this awkward conversation. Um, and I, I, it occurred to me at that point, what was the point of this? I think it was entertainment, basically. But it wasn't anything valuable in terms of how you actually get, you know, how this uh, matter is discussed. Or even how to consider what it's like for a body to change and the, the conversation if he wanted to have it with his daughter couldn't it have been around you know this kind of cool process and talk about it scientifically and what's happening and you know discussing really how natural bodies are the things that they do and the way they organize um, instead it was a big joke and it was broadcast as a big joke and my heart really went out for the kid to be honest Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, and this is probably where my own bias is going to show up. And maybe maybe a sliver of my misanthropy. Uh, if, you know, I wonder if maybe you are giving him too much credit or have too much of a, a high expectation. If 2020 has taught me anything, it's that people's understanding of, uh, of science and of the mechanistic world uh, is not nearly as high as I had hoped. Um, and, you know, to what degree is this person even capable of, of thinking through it uh, in a scientific way or, or trying to understand the sort of uh, the balance that you're talking about uh, of how to um, both be nur nurturing uh, and careful around the psychology of the child uh, as well as sort of deal with the, the facts uh, and, and guide her through the process um, in a way that is mature and responsible. I guess my question is, you know, how, how capable are, you know, how capable do you, do you think this person is? I mean, you know. I don't know how capable this person is, um, but I think that's the point of this show. Uh, I, I, you know, this, 
these ideas, I think particularly around, I'll just use the word feminism or understanding women as uh, in, in wholeness rather than as objects, it's tough and it's tough in the society. And, you know, at on some level, we objectify each other, all of us. Um, and I mean that in the truest sense, we become objects for each other. Uh, but I think this point that we're trying to make, or even the purpose of this show, is to point out some of these things that perhaps someone hasn't taken the time to contemplate. I mean, this guy has a whole podcast. He's, it's out there in the world. It's it's for consumption, right? And if we put things out, I mean, you can put anything you want out. But you know, my po- the point of this show is to say, you know, this was put out in the world. I see it as you know, an issue, maybe even a problem. Um, Let's take some time to think through this. I really think it's worth thinking this through and considering a different conversation about it. You know, that to me makes sense. I think it's why I was thinking about really the guardedness around everything post-puberty that we have as a culture that, that I'm pretty sure we inherited from the English. I mean, we're very close culturally anyway, but you know, when you get to see how the French and other cultures uh, approach the body, it's not nearly as so guarded. Uh, I think even when we think about the very essence of sort of Victorian sensibilities, uh, it's all about covering the body, the women's body, the woman's body even more so. Uh, but there is a lot of guardedness around how we think about the body. Um, and I think that that's fine for the 19th century mm-hmm. uh maybe the 18th 19th century uh i get it but if we're still st- sort of stuck in this in this you know elizabethan or, or victorian mentality about how we have to think about the human body and, and what happens even though we've upgraded our our understanding of science and what actually bodies do um then i think you're right i think we do need to change the conversation and start to have a different conversation. Hmm. That's such a great point. You know, I mean, the way that the information has been passed down, and we know that generationally things play out over and over and over again. Unless we start to really do something different, we're really just inheriting a bunch of information. You know, we can look at this even in a religious context. I mean, there were so many rules and, and laws around what a woman needed to do when she was having her period and you know, what it meant about the moon. And there's all kinds of myths and mystery around it. And I think you're right. Now, at this point, how do we just do this? It, there's not, you know... We don't have to romanticize it and we don't have to demonize it anymore and how to get comfortable with the body. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned these two things uh, in tandem, both demonizing and also uh, you said something about um, the religious aspect around it. And I guess I hadn't thought about um, the fact that there there certainly has a potential for there to be a religious substrate to this. Uh, which never occurs to me because, I don't know, it's just not how I think. Um, but I think you're right. And, and that may, in fact, um, you know, I wonder if that doesn't pose an additional problem, not just one of, um, of sort of a, a lack of understanding of the sort of, you know, the biological purpose of it and just what's happening purely, you know, at the science level. Uh, but if there's a religious substrate that's happening too, does that make it, all the more difficult to, to broach. I'm, I'm curious about that. I hadn't thought about that, but that's something 
I think that's something that I need to consider. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I think it has, you know, you, you, you were just talking about how we're l- looking at this currently in, you know, 2020. And you know, there's a whole Puritanist, Puritan um, understanding of this, that, it, you know, it, the body is being unclean and how it is, it is looked upon as a season or a time of a woman's life where she is unclean. And I think this has gotten passed down, whether or not you know that that's what's the inter- what the internalization is. This was certainly very much a part of the thought of the culture right. and the religion. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I was in a situation a few years back uh, with my... I was picking up my middle daughter, who is now... Um, She's 21. And I was in this group of parents. There was some remark made by a mother about forgetting to put uh, sanitary supplies in the kid's backpack and that she needed to go home and get some because the daughter had started her period. Um, And I was in a a mixed, it was a mixed group. So there was a couple mothers there. And then there were a few fathers that had dropped off their kids that were there. All these people were parents of this of an adolescent girl and it started this big joke around what it's like when their daughters are having their period in the house and what the men do um and then it continued into these funny stories that um included well what if you have two daughters and a wife and everybody is having their period at the same time and oh my gosh what it you know, what a crazy time that is. Well, let me tell you what I do. I leave the house or I go to my man cave or whatever they thought was funny. And I know that it was, I believe it was really innocent. And it was to lighten up the, you know, whatever the feel of the, of the group that we're in. And some of the stories, you know, brought a bunch of laughter. But it occurred to me, even as I walked off, that this still, it, it's so accepted. It's this thing that we do that says it's okay to joke around what what this experience is and is seemingly again innocent as that is what is that message you know what is the message for women and what is the message for certainly growing and developing women around this that that they hear these stories or that it becomes the butt of a joke you know and I'm trying I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer that you know you're not allowed to have like you know humor around bodies because we we can but it's still so connected to this message that something is wrong or it's funny or it's a joke or you get to make it into this you know big process around what you have to experience when the woman is going through it you know back of all this i suspect that so much of what you're describing is driven by the fact that men are excluded from this part of the process Mm -hmm. Uh, and because it doesn't relate to them at all, because they have no, mm-hmm. because they have r- really no contact in this part of the process. Um, all they can do is um, not all they can do, but w- what where some people end up landing is um, trying to diminish it or abolish it or control it or get it outside of their view. You know, I had a friend who posted something on, on Facebook not very long ago. Uh, that just really resonated with me. He said that uh, what people do not understand, they will attack. Hmm. And what they understand too well, they will destroy. And, you know, I I think about people's lack of understanding. um, You know, like I was saying, because this is largely a process 
um, from which men are excluded, um, that they end up not really understanding it in, in any sort of meaningful way. Um, they, they know that it happens. But that lack of understanding, I think, um, is what causes them to attack. Like, if you were to think about pregnancy, why pregnancy is, is different, and why you don't really get the same type, it, pregnancy doesn't elicit the same type of of um, of immaturity or of ignorance or of joking or of giggling or whatever it is. But a man has a stake in that, right? He's part of that process most of the time. You know, I mean, obviously, science, you know, with right. fertilization. Uh, but in general, pregnancy doesn't occupy the same space, I think, in our society because I think because a man is involved. And I think, you know, if <laughs> I honestly believe if pregnancy were a process in which the man was not involved, I think it would still be this thing about women that would be, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to go into a fantasy mm-hmm. sci-fi mm-hmm. world where women, get, you know, um, so let me retract that. But but I do think uh, that that's one of the key differences between how we see pregnancy, which is clearly uh, a process that's happening in a woman's body, mm-hmm. but one that includes male participation versus menstruation, which doesn't. That's such a great point. So perhaps th- this is the deeper conversation, right? Because I, I considered this... This podcast being something where we are exposing these like jokes and how to talk about this differently in society and with your kids. But I think it is a call to going deeper into the understanding of the psychology of of the man. You know, what? Why is this funny? Um, And, you know, I do. I, I my hunch is that this isn't a question that a lot of men ask of themselves, that it's so common and pervasive in society and so accepted to joke about this. And at some point on some level, sometimes it is funny, but this is the call, like go in and, and figure this out. And I think this is such a good point. You know, even with pregnancy, oftentimes you'll hear about men having, you know, sympathy or empathy, morning sickness, like they start to get involved in the process, even unconsciously with a woman. Um, and this is very outside of the experience of the man. And what you, to your point, what you just read, you know, if you can't understand it, then, you know, maybe you just make fun of it because you can't get in there. So this is the only way you get to get in there. Right. So this is the crux of it for me. Uh, and I, I guess sort of for me, the, the point of this particular episode in the series is that, you know, if you are a father of a daughter then you you know she she's going to experience some things that are outside of your personal experience that is to say she'll there are some some biological processes that are going to happen that are different from the ones that you experience in your puberty because you're not a girl mm-hmm. and so now the, the question is how do you handle it mm-hmm. do you handle it in this way of something i don't understand therefore you know, I need to make fun of, or even if you don't do it directly, will that seep into your understanding? Because secretly it's off-putting, right? Secretly you need to treat it as something to, to push away, which we, you know, from Victorian times till now, mm-hmm. it seems like that is what, you know, even in a male dominated society where <laughs> women might be half the society. Uh, but if men are still sort of controlling the, the shape of society, 
then it still gets relegated, even though half society is experienced this or have experienced it. Uh, it still gets relegated to this realm of, well, keep that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, as a man who was once a boy who has never experienced menstruation, if the only way that you can think about it or deal with it is in this way that is either relegated to the netherworld mm-hmm. or to attack it or to berate it mm-hmm. uh, or to ridicule it, then and, you know, I can almost promise you that just through, you know, whether the language or, or body language or sort of your mood or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the sort of unconscious process, that these attitudes are still seeping into the way that you relate to your daughter and it's, it's, you know, one, we have to examine uh, that relationship in and of itself, but also I think we have to interrogate our own thoughts, our own beliefs about, uh, uh, about how we think about menstruation as men to, to really guard against um, the, these older, really ridiculous ideas not seeping into, a, you know, a father's relationship w- with his daughter. Yeah. Yes. All of that. That, that's really, really good. Um, you know, I was considering even going back to my example of this podcast that I heard with the father having this kind of discussion with his daughter. Um, and when I first saw this come across as, as a topic, I thought, why does the father need to have the talk with the daughter about her period? <laughs> and of course, then I was like, oh, sexuality and pregnancy, right? So the talk is centered around, okay, now that you are bleeding you have a you have um a way now to get pregnant so that he was certainly and and that is biologically connected definitely but the talk again was around now what your body is going to do is become sexual you know or it is sexual or this is the moment now where we start to understand that your body is this now thing that's going to be out in society that can be impregnated. And again, if you can hear just the subtleties of that, and it, it's then we go back to the subjectification that we talked about um, in the first podcast on this series. We don't know we do this, but then it becomes the weapon out there. The body is the weapon. The daughter's body is the weapon. And I just want to bring it back a little bit. Um, certainly it is connected with pregnancy, and I'm not denying that. But to only see it now as her as a baby-making machine is now you've erased some of this complexity again. And I, I think it is so subtle that it, it becomes so much a part of the way now we look at the kid, we look at the daughter. You know, it's that same thing that we mentioned in the first podcast, like, oh, you better get your gun, get ready. You know, that now here's this body that can do something and we we start to grab onto all of the reproduction or the sexuality of the kid instead of seeing her as the whole. You know, I'm going to take a long tangent here and say something about the culture that I I think is relevant. I had a friend once who was, he he was relatively a terrible dater. Um, There have been a few people that I've known who've just been awful daters. Um, But this one, after a few terrible dates in a row... He revealed to me that he would always bring flowers and chocolates on the first date, uh, which I thought was utterly ridiculous. And I, um, I cautioned him to never do that again, not because I hate chocolates or flowers um, and not because I'm against the idea. I don't hate chocolates, by the way. Um, but it was because he was relying on a trope that was probably relevant in the 1950s. 
maybe the 60s, uh, maybe the 70s. But things have shifted enough such that uh, he, he wasn't resting his... Um, I mean, he could have been bringing his A-game. He could have just shown up as an interesting person. And um, it doesn't mean that those two things are mutually exclusive. But the fact, in my own mind, that he was resting on a device instead of resting on the confidence mm-hmm. of his own ability to deliver as an interesting person on a date, uh, that, for me, was the problematic part. Um, and it turns out that, that he wasn't bringing his, his, his A-game. Uh, but the fact that in 2000, I don't know, 2007 or eight that he was still bringing this cartoon version of a first date opener was to me an indication of how much he was relying on uh, the, the cultural tropes that had been laid out in mm-hmm. a generation before and probably two generations before. It was like he, he got advice from his dad about what to do mm-hmm. on a date, mm-hmm. who had gotten advice from his dad on what to do mm-hmm. on a date. He was essentially using his grandfather's tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, not tricks, but you know what I mean? Sure. Now, if the type of woman that he was looking for was very much like his grandmother, then I, I have no objection whatsoever. Um, that would make sense that he might do what his grandfather was mm-hmm. looking for. Um, but the the role of women in society now, the position of women in society now, is different than it was during the era of his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, it, it's like the... The role and the position and the status um, of, of women has moved forward, mm-hmm. but he, he, he's still having an approach that was two generations old. Yeah. And it's that disconnect in the culture, I think, between, um, between men learning you know, how to treat women in a way that was appropriate in the 1940s. Yeah. Um, so let me see if I can bring this back to to the point about fathers and daughters is if, if the notion that you have in your head is one of, I can't wait, you know, the primary thing in your head is I can't wait to get my, my daughter married off and she's going to be a good wife and um, she's going to bring me some, you know, some babies. If that's the primary thing in your head and you don't see, and you know, we talked about this on the first episode, you don't see a full life for her outside of that role then it might actually make sense for you to just stay relegated, you know, to, to that to that thinking about, um, you know, about girls in that way anyway. But if instead uh, what you want for your daughter is a full life with beautiful relationships, both male and female relationships, um, if you want her to have a life that is full of purpose and meaning and achievement and joy and engagement... Uh, for, for her to live in, in type, into a type of full humanity. If that's what you want, then that is, I, I think, in conflict with this idea of treating her a, as a baby-making machine. And sometimes we can hold both of the, these ideas um, and not realize that they are in conflict until they're juxtaposed. Yeah. That, oh, I'm thinking of my daughter essentially as, as a future mom, and at the same time, I actually want her to have a full life. Yeah. But these things are sure. in conflict. Right, right. That's such a good point. Um, you know, as you were describing this guy that brings the flowers and chocolate, 
and then brought it back around to what it means to look at your kid as a baby making machine, not mutually exclusive from your care and love for her. Again, I my brain was connecting this to the objectification piece of this. Um, and what you're doing then is you're disconnecting from the sincerity of the connection. So if this guy's bringing flowers and chocolates, um, he, and you said he could just show up as an interesting person, um, certainly he could show up as an interesting person, but he could also see this as I'm knocking on the door of an interesting person. And I don't need this middle part of the chocolate and flowers to prove that there's something interesting about either of us, right? And it's it's inauthentic. He doesn't even know her. Like, what kind of chocolate does she like? Does she like daisies or roses? Which one is he going to get? There's nothing sincere about that gift at all because it's not about connection. It's really just about the objectification. It's about I'm showing up. I'm giving you this as kind of a, a trophy. You know, this is the prize that you get for being on a date with me. Um, so the connection disappears. And I think to bring this back around also to consider the connection between you and your daughter, that this isn't about the talk about your body necessarily apart from who you are as a person, but the connection is the sincerity, you know, what your daughter likes, who she is, what she is much more than just uh, an adolescent who now is bleeding and has the potential for procreation. There's something so much bigger than her. Than her, and I hear you that there is they they're not mutually exclusive. But I think because of the cultural piece, you have to go deeply in there and start to consider what you're leading with with this kid. Um, and if you're going to give the talk about now that you have your period, you're going to be able to make babies. I think that is a separation between you know, what her body's doing and who she is and all of our fullness. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that we do need to consider what we are leading with. If anything can happen in, in the series, it's about uh, raising the level of awareness, raising the level of consideration around our automatic behaviors mm-hmm. um, that happen. I mean, listen, it's it's the nature of automatic behavior, right? It, it's you don't think about it because you haven't thought about it and you didn't know that you needed to think right. about it. So if there's anything that we can do here is to raise the level of awareness, especially for fathers to say, oh, you know what? You probably haven't thought about this. Mm-hmm. You might not be aware of this, but here is something to consider. Right. Um, and so if we're at all, you know, going to, to be considerate, if we're going to consider and lead with something like let's at least give it some thought, raise our level of awareness so that at least it's on our radar. Um, and the next thing that, that falls out of your mouth isn't it, it isn't automatic. It right. isn't, you know, um, just sort of poorly considered. That's right. You know, and I, I go back to what I was considering when we were going we were planning to do this is that, you know, what how we're going to talk to our kids differently about this, how our dad's going to talk to kids differently about this, which I think is still a part of the topic of what we're doing here today. But more than that, I think, is this deeper introspection, something perhaps you've never unpacked, that this is the story that you've carried from a boyhood into manhood and watched your dad or some other man and still had the jokes around the playground. You've never really considered that there's a story to unpack here. And it's so much bigger than being 
politically correct. That's not what this is about. It's it's really like, well, how do we grow as people? And how do we become good people around our kids? Um, you know, and I, I was even thinking, you know, around this talk, quote unquote, I think if this is really just a natural process in the home, you know, there's not secrets around the kids starting her period and the dad doesn't leave the room when the females have the talk about bleeding and he doesn't appear to be uncomfortable around buying sanitary products. I mean, all these things are examples I'm using from what I've seen in the world so right. far. Um, that this can just be a natural outpouring of getting older and developing. It doesn't have to be the mysterious um, elephant in the room every time somebody starts bleeding. It also doesn't have to be the joke of the room. Right. Well, I, I, I sincerely hope that, that people um, will get some value out, out of what we're doing here and, and the level of awareness that we are trying to raise. Um, and, you know, let us know what you think. Um, the Instagram is probably the, the best way to reach us. We're on Facebook as well, but... If you have any thoughts, if you have any ideas, uh, let us know. Uh, if you could do us a favor of rating us on your favorite podcast platform, uh, just so that people could find us more easily, that would be amazing. Um, so, yeah, thanks for, for hanging out and listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you in a week. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>